0: You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback, Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Redhead Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Bill Ham. Uh, who's the COO at Broadwell Property Group. Uh, he's also the author of Creative Cash. Uh, so we're going to talk about Creative Cash, which is basically creative financing uh, for multifamily real estate. So we're going to uh, discuss uh, Bill's real estate investment strategies. He's, he's used these strategies to buy his first 400 units uh, without ever stepping into a bank or even qualifying for a loan. So we want to learn Bill's story and, and how he was able to do that and very excited to have Bill here on this show. So, welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me. A uh, pleasure. So, what is Creative Cash? That's the title of your book. So, explain to us uh, what inspired you to write the book, and how did you buy 400 units? Essentially, with, Ab- with absolutely, stuff? yeah. Okay. So, yeah, been been in business about 15 years.
0: Um, started off, uh, like you said, doing 400 units with uh, 402 units exactly with. Uh, creative financing and so that's a combination of lots of different techniques such as master lease options, seller financing using debt partners credit cards even once but I don't recommend that one but um, yeah so that that's creative financing and I have written this book because of the market cycles and so what everybody has to understand is is real estate cycles much like the economy not in the same. Uh, sequence as the economy, but you know, it rises and falls. And so I know because I've been through the past uh, market cycles and recession, what it looks like when it's coming. And one of the big factors in a sort of recession cycle is that lenders start to uh, lend less. They start to pull back. When lending pulls back, that makes distressed assets harder to get financed. You know, that value add deal gets harder to get financed. And that's when uh, creative financing really becomes um, a very viable tool in that market cycle.
1: Excellent. So talk to us. What does creative financing mean? I know there's very, various different strategies, but what's the one that you primarily use?
0: Uh, primarily, it's seller financing and master lease options. Those are your, That's probably 80% of, of what you'll use when you go out there uh, to, to find creative finance or get a creative financing deal. Yeah, it's very specific to the deal. It's very specific to the seller. So it's not a one size fits all. You really have to sit down and look at the seller and look at the property and figure out what creates value in that particular situation by solving a problem. And that's what creative financing does. It goes, it gets you deals by problem solving, and uh, and that's what I'm saying. So when the lenders pull back, there's not as much uh, debt availability, and a seller uh, has a distressed asset, and maybe their loans coming due, maybe for some reason they need to exit that property, and the numbers aren't working out. That's that's when you come in and uh, use lease options, seller financing, whatever the case you know, seller financing, you could only do that if the seller has enough equity to actually give you financing. So
1: if they don't have a lot of equity in the deal, then you would move to say a lease option, something of that nature. Excellent. Can you explain seller financing versus the lease option for the audience?
0: Sure. So seller financing is when, it's exactly what it sounds like. The seller is going to act as the bank. So Ah, uh, you may still put down some or little money. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that you're going to put down no money, so that's not a reasonable thing. But um, I would expect to put down, you know, anywhere between ten and twenty percent. And the seller is actually going to carry back a mortgage, just like a lender. You're going to be the owner of record, but they're going to have a lien against the property. If you don't pay them, they'll foreclose, just like a bank. A a lease option or master lease option. Uh, the difference being whether you're dealing with uh, multiple units or not. So, if we're talking about apartments, we call it a master lease. If it's a single house, we would just call it a lease option. Same thing. But that's basically a rent to own scenario um, where you're going to kind of uh, agree to a price with the seller. And then you're, you're going to have a separate contract that uh, allows you to operate the property. So, I'm going to rent, if it were me, I would be renting a property from you uh, with the right to buy it someday in the future. The reason we would do that is that uh, the right to operate contract, the master lease, allows us to stabilize the property, take care of any deferred maintenance or issues. The idea being, you wanna you want to set that price, the option price for someday in the future, but you wanna set the option price at a value that's uh, a today value. You bring the value of the property up through your operations, Now the property is worth more than the option price and you have the ability to purchase it back at the option
1: price. So that's roughly what a a master lease option and seller financing is for. Sure, Sure, exactly. So when you're dealing with seller financing, lease options, master lease situations, um, and you're working with the sellers, are they typically shorter term, almost bridge, you know, loan style product because seller financing, in my experience, you always have to offer a, greater rate of return whereas you were to borrow from a bank you know call 200 right. basis points minimum let's just say let's say as, as of right now maybe six percent six and a half um so when you're when you're dealing with that are you usually looking at three-year you know promissory notes um and right. then what do you do after that because then you know then you can actually go to an agency lender or whoever the lender is and, and take out the loan in a Better interest rate,
0: absolutely, and that's that's exit strategy, and that's a very important concept of creative financing. Is you really have to analyze the exit strategy of the deal first. What are you going to do with it? Is it a fix and flip? Is it a, a buy and hold and operate? Well, what are you going to do with this piece of property? So that's your exit strategy, and yeah, I agree. You kind of have to look at that first, and then analyze the deal. Uh, to see what it is you're going to do. Is it a takeout financing after the fact? Yes, you typically are probably going to have an interest rate a little bit higher than what you might get a local local lender. Uh, you, you're going to need to incentivize that seller a little more. Um, but I would then negotiate perhaps less down payment, you know, uh, less coming to the table with a lot of capital. And that's kind of what we want to avoid is, is having to have a lot of cash to get the deal done. So I really, if I'm solving a seller's problem, I want that seller to join me in the deal. I want that seller to bring that property and I'm going to bring the, the uh, you know, sweat equity and the work. And that's how we're going to get that deal done together. So I would not want to do a deal where I'm bringing 40% cash and, and 10% interest and all this kind of thing. So that would not be a very attractive deal. So um, yeah, terms are typically going to be a little bit shorter where this is the idea of creative financing is to go in, stabilize a distressed asset with some help from the seller and then exit getting that seller their money and whatever it is they need. And you move on to either a sale, uh, a wholesale or stabilized long-term financing, such as agency debt. Yep.
1: Sure. So Kim, you, in your book, you, you gave an example where you're able to increase your network about a half a million dollars just from uh, a distressed property using these strategies. Can you, can you tell us about it? Sure. That's, that's what I always say. Uh,
0: Try and and find valuation through operation, not renovation. So what I want to do is I want to go out and find properties that I can increase the net operating income through the operations, not just through renovations and saying, Hey, I'm going to raise the rent. You know, that's a really, overplayed concept right now. I think uh, most people that are looking at real estate, and if, if you're listening to this and you're a, an LP and you're looking to, to invest passively, um, I would be very careful about someone whose business model is only raising the rent. You know, raising rent should make a good deal great, not a bad deal tolerable. And, and that's what I'm seeing a lot of people do right now is that they're using this concept of raising the rent in the future to justify overpaying for the building today that's not a good idea. So, you know, you really want to kind of avoid doing that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what creative financing is for is to kind of limit some of that risk so we can go in there and create that value is such as raise rents, things of that
1: nature. But do be careful. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Uh, so how are you when you're, you know, I'm, I think it was about 400 units uh, I mentioned in the beginning. So how are you finding sellers open to seller financing or any of the strategies you mentioned mm-hmm. Because it's obviously, as you know, it's a very competitive market given 2021, you know, especially if the property's free and clear, a lot of buyers, just like you mentioned, the the lending market is back, at least in some respects. So they'll, you know, they could still go 70, 80% to Fannie and Freddie and get, you know, sub 3% on some deals.
0: Um,
1: So how do you, you know, I guess, how are you finding your seller leads, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Well, um, over the last five years, very
0: slim. And over the next two or three years, I think you're going to find it to be much, much greater. So we are, I believe we are on the precipice of the market peak right now or thereabouts. And so you have to understand that creative financing is about solving problems, as I've mentioned. So in the past five years, if a seller had a problem, they could just park the property on the market listed and probably get more than their asking price. So it's not techniques that we've used a lot over the last five years because the market has been inclining so rapidly. So it's not something you're going to really have been hearing a lot about or be familiar with, but going forward, predicting forward uh, as lenders tighten their, their criteria, that's when we are going to start using it. And so I am just now starting to see the distress in the market COVID has started to affect a lot of properties. Uh, you know, tenants are starting to get behind uh, due to the lack of work. The eviction moratorium is stopping landlords from removing those tenants, and so when I'm out analyzing deals, and I, I look at several deals a week, um, I'm seeing that there's a lot of rent rolls with with tenant balances. You know, these tenants are starting to owe a lot of, of money. That's going to have to be taken care of at some point in time. Either the government's got to write a big check or the landlord is going to have to kind of write this bad debt off at some point. That right there is going to make that asset hard to finance. Um, you know, Fannie and Freddie uh, agency debt right now are asking for a year to up to 18 months worth of reserves, principal, interest, tax, and insurance reserves but they're not giving you any credit on the loan side you still the property still has to be functional still has to hit all of the same requirements that it always did and so right there that's an indication that the debt is starting to sort of pull back Um, freddie right now freddie mac is requiring three years worth of uh resume So if you don't have three years worth of multifamily experience right now, going and qualifying for one of those loans is going to be difficult. Those are signs that the the lenders are starting to retreat a little. And that's where we're going to see uh, the advent of creative financing really kick in. So not, not been doing it so much over the last five years, over the next one to five, you will see a lot more of it coming.
1: Excellent. So uh, how are you? So what, what are you focused on in your company? And I mentioned, about 400 units. How are you able to to get there? I guess what markets are you in? Um, you know, where where are we going to see the most opportunity once you know the lenders tighten up even even more? Which I agree with you. They they have been, they've been. It's almost like a tight. It's been a tightening, then a loosening, and then yeah. a tightening again, and then a loose. So, yeah. but agency, it,
0: yeah, agency tightened up, and local lenders have loosened up. Is what it seems to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, but even the agency. I think on the fanny, it's nine months now instead of 12 months. Or it's 12 months and you can get them back within nine. Yeah, it's all so, over the place. So, yeah, so it's it's changing all the time. I don't see it going away anytime soon, like like you mentioned. Um, so I guess, you know, what markets should we be looking at? You know, you mentioned eviction moratoriums. There's some states that are just completely disregarding it. Um, but there are others that obviously are abiding by it. So where, where are we going to see the opportunity with that? I, I think uh, w- what we call the
0: smile, and that's, that's that southern belt across the United States. If you kind of imagine a, a smile across the southern states, ranging from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, over to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, maybe the Carolinas. I think that belt, that southern belt there, is going to be your widest zone for opportunity. Um, you know, Notwithstanding Texas's current uh, issues with their power grid and all that, I like, I think Texas – I think uh, the, the uh, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona market and uh, Georgia and the Carolinas, northern Florida, I think those are going to be your strongest markets going forward. Um, I, I think the major metros ultimately are going to hold value longest, but I'm also afraid that I think your major metros may be the areas that kind of become less landlord friendly going forward. Um, You know, we saw I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and we saw uh, we have seen this state certainly move towards the more liberal point of view, Um, you know, not for better or for worse. I have no opinion on that, but I'm just saying it seems that our laws are starting to move towards the tenant favor less than the landlord favor. And traditionally, we've been a very landlord friendly state. So I think the major metros may become uh, more tenant friendly, whereas the rural areas may still maintain uh, landlord friendly. So it's really kind of a give and a take. I think you're going to get better returns in the big city, but you're going to deal with more politics there.
1: So it kind of depends on what flavor you feel like dealing with. Sure, sure. Yeah, the politics are definitely not for everybody. So um, how can people find your book, Creative Cash? Absolutely. Um, Creative Cash is on Amazon right now. You can get it in paperback and Kindle. Uh, I believe
0: in about a week we'll have it on Audible. So you can find it in all three, but uh, definitely get it on Amazon. Um, And uh, we have uh, a masterclass and the book on creativeapartmentdeals.com. So if you want more information than the book, creativeapartmentdeals.com. If you want to reach out to me personally, it's Bill at Gobroadwell.com.
1: Great. And we'll have a link to everything you just mentioned in our show notes. So our listeners can reach out to you at any time. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, if you could please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It'll help my message and Bill's message get out to a greater audience. And we would appreciate that. So we'll have a description to your website and, and everything else and the uh, uh, social media platforms and on iTunes. So definitely check that out. And just want to thank you again for coming on our show today and hope to have you on again soon when uh, you know, the real distress uh, starts to hit. So. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, Bill.